Ephesians chapter 4. And look at verse number 17, if you would, with me. And we'll, we'll just read one verse, and then we'll ask God's blessing on the message. If you would, let's stand for the reading, and we'll read this one verse out loud. And let's just read, we'll read two verses, okay? We'll, get, we'll give you two verses. Since you had to stand up, I'll let you read two verses, okay? Here we go. Ephesians chapter 4, read them out loud with me, verse 17 and 18. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord... That ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, we thank you for the Word of God, the Scriptures that teach us the truth, your objective truth. It's true for all people. And uh, there's nobody that can say that they can live outside of Scripture Lord, help us to submit to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God today. I pray that you'd help us to not live like everyone else. Now, we've had our eyes open, but help us to, to live in the truth and to live a different life. Lord, that you would be glorified. And, and Lord, we thank you for the, the blessings that we have in this world even uh, by just submitting to you and to have peace and joy and blessing. And uh, Lord, to have contentment in our life. Lord, where the world is, is losing its mind, people are losing their mind, they're full of fear, they're full of, uh, of covetousness and pride, and Lord, we don't have to have that in our life. We can, have, we can be free from all of that. I pray that you help us to walk differently, to take off the grave clothes and put on the grace clothes. I pray that you bless this service in Jesus' name, amen. If you would, be seated. And the Bible was written, guess what, to be obeyed. Obeyed. The Bible is written to be obeyed, not simply studied. And this is why the words therefore and wherefore are, are repeated so often in the scriptures. We find it in the second half of, each, of Ephesians several times. We saw verse 1, chapter 4, verses 17, 25, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, 7, 14, 17, and 24. We see the word therefore and wherefore uh, because God says there's a reason Paul's writing something, he says, do this. Why? Here's the practical application. The first half is doctrine. The second half is practical application in these books that Paul's written. Ephesians chapters 1 through 3, doctrine. Chapters 4 through 6, practical application. So I like the practical more than the doctrine sometimes because, uh, you know, I like the studying of God's doctrine, okay, teaching, but how does that apply to me? And so that's what we're getting into today. But he says there, verse number 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not. Okay, that word walk, what does that mean? Well, it means uh, the, the word of God compares life, the word walk there, to, uh, the compares life to a journey. We're in a journey. We're on a journey. We're walking through this life. And in our conversation, okay, we think of that word meaning our talk with one another. No, our conversation is our, our lifestyle and our, our rapport even with one another, our, um, our interaction. And then he says there uh, that we would not walk as other Gentiles. Well, who are the Gentiles? Those that are not saved. Uh, those that are outside of the family of God. Uh, that other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, mental folly, emptiness, uh, when we get away from, now listen, when we get away from godly wisdom, there's no telling what kind of trouble we're going to get ourselves into. 
There's all kinds of wrong thinking in the world, isn't there? And uh, there's a lot of philosophies and doctrines that even Christians can begin to believe and live uh, and, and even teach, espouse false teaching and ideologies. Uh, go with me to verse 18. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness uncleanness with greediness. Well, listen as I read a parallel passage from Romans chapter 1, 18. Just listen as I read. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. And unrighteousness, unrighteousness of men. By the way, some people think, well, uh, I can live however I want and get away with it. No, you're not going to get away with it. You can live however you want. But eventually, the grace of God will end and the judgment of God will begin. Why do we, why do we have a perceived time where we're getting away with things? Why is it we perceive that? Why do we think we're getting away with something? Because that's called grace. God's saying, I'm giving you a chance to get things right with me. So I'm giving you time. And what some people do is they squander God's grace for self-will. What I want. What I want to do. And eventually God's grace will run out. And the Bible says that... uh, God, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They're pushing back against God, against righteousness. They're holding it back. They're holding the truth. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. See, God has given each person a conscience. God also has sent the Holy Spirit. Uh, The world is being convicted today of sin righteousness and judgment but then we have the holy spirit we have god's uh, uh, gift to all man god's common grace of the conscience that's in us how do we know what's right and wrong how do we know we're different than other creatures see mankind has a conscience we know right from wrong we have a moral understanding that's from god whether you're saved or not, we've, we've been given that. But then also God has uh, ordained people to go into the world and to preach the truth, to preach the gospel. I think of Miss Ann standing at the abortion clinic, somebody standing there holding the, uh, holding the light and uh, preaching the truth. Uh, others that go out soul winning on the bus route, different places, in love. It's not a, a message of condemnation because, see, we want to have the message of Christ. Christ didn't come to condemn the world. The world's already condemned. He came to reach the lost. Uh, and so uh, we see that the Bible says in Romans 1, uh, verse number 20, for the invisible, see, it's manifest, it's understood in us. We have a conscience. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood By the things that are made, we need to just open our eyes. The people that deny creation have to do a lot of work. 
to deny creation. They go through all kinds of contortions and jump through all kinds of hoops and have to believe a lot of error and lies to deny creation. The Bible says even as eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. We see that, verse 18 of Ephesians 4, they had their understanding darkened because of the blindness of their hearts. And uh, they walk, the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. They have all kinds of gobbledygook that they believe Instead of trusting what God says. See, they laugh at Christians. Oh, you guys have that crutch of religion. Oh, you have that old Bible. That's a dusty old book. My friend, the Word of God is alive. It's quick and it's powerful. And it's, uh, it, it, it has power to change lives. But yet we have to trust science that is unproven and changes all the time. So that's man's philosophy versus God's philosophy. So we see for an unsaved person, it's natural to buy into worldly ways and ideas. But I'm sorry, even Christians can follow after vain ideologies. We're daily bombarded, my friend. And it's hard, it's hard to deal with some of these things. That's why we're talking about it today. We're daily bombarded by the, the philosophies of Sodom and Gomorrah. And if we are not careful, we will begin to buy into it and believe it. See, the world says, and here's seven things that I found. The world says you only go around once. So live for yourself. Uh, the pursuit of happiness is the most important thing in life. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, avoid suffering at all costs. Live for yourself. Make yourself happy. Happiness is not found in pursuing it. Nobody has ever truly found happiness trying to find happiness for themselves. See, what they find is a temporary pleasure. Drugs and alcohol. Temporary pleasures that leave you empty. More empty than you were when you sought for that vanity. So happiness isn't found in pursuing it. It is the byproduct of pursuing God. That's where we find happiness. Uh, Job 5.17, Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. You might think, oh, I don't want to be corrected. That's our problem. We, don't have, we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. See, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, when we are full of pride, we're seeking for what pleases us. But when we begin to realize that this world was not created just for man, it was created for God's glory. And we realize that we need to humble ourselves and pursue God and to bring glory to Him. Then we begin to realize that God uh, will bring joy into our life because then we're in the right relationship with our Creator. Uh, the world says you only go around once, <laughs> so live for yourself. Number two, the world says take care of yourself first. Well, here's Jesus' example. Philippians 2, and listen with me. Uh, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Let this ideology, let this philosophy be in your life. This is what Jesus did. He says, Paul writes, who, when Jesus was here uh, in the world, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why? Because he was equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. God took upon himself human flesh. 
He made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Mark 10, 45. Mark 10, 45. Mark this verse down and memorize it. For even the Son of, uh, even the son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give. See, there's not a lot of giving in this world, is there? There's a lot of grief that's given, but not a lot of love that's given out. Not a, love of, not a lot of, uh, of care that's given to others. But the Bible says he gave. Jesus gave. Are you with me this morning? Can I get a witness? witness? Jesus gave himself a ransom for many. He bought us back. Praise God. If you're saved this morning, you're twice owned. God created you, you uh, and I. We were created. We're created beings. But our sin nature separated us from our creator. But because Jesus died on the cross, he was giving himself a ransom. He paid the price for us to be restored back to the creator. And uh, uh, Jesus was a servant. And the world says, take care of yourself first. It doesn't matter who you hurt as long as you get ahead in this life. No, no, no. See, servanthood in God's economy is a sign of greatness. Matthew 23, 11, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. So if you want to be great in God's eyes, learn to serve other people. Now, we've got to be careful. Understand we don't need to become the proverbial doormat. Okay, some people have a hard time uh, because they are being taken advantage of. Okay, there's a difference between giving and somebody just taking advantage of you. Understand there's a difference. But in God's wisdom, we can understand that there's a lot of instances in our life where we're putting ourselves first and we're not putting God first. And we're putting ourselves first and we're not putting others first. When God calls us to do something, we need to listen. The world's philosophy, the world says appearance is the most important. How you look is most important. As they say, you need to fake it till you make it, right? 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. See, God doesn't see it the way we see it. For man looketh on the outward appearance. But, are you with me? The Lord looketh on the heart. You might be saying, well, it doesn't matter what the outside looks like as long as my heart's right with God. Well, I understand uh, you know, I understand that's what the scripture says. God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outside. But what's on the heart should come on the outside at some point, okay? What Jesus does inside, uh, we know that uh, salvation is an inside job, okay? God saves us, and he begins to restore us. He redeemed us, okay? But what's on the outside, what people can see, should change, and it should reflect what Jesus did on the inside. We're a new creation on the inside, and so the outward uh, should reflect that, okay? Uh, we tend to look at others, and we, we judge them based on their appearance, how they look. Uh, how, somebody, how somebody looks, that's what matters to the world, right? To politicians, how they look. To the preacher, how, how, does, you know, how does things look? Uh, to the Christian, he comes to church, you need to have, a, have you know, your best clothes on, and you have, to have a, uh, you have to have a good voice for singing, and all these things, we focus on the external, and that inhibits us sometimes from actually serving the Lord from our heart. See, some people don't sing out in church when they should be singing out. 
And, uh, and my friend, it's probably people that you, you might think, oh, I don't have a good voice. Maybe you do. You just, you're just timid. You're holding back because you're afraid of what other people might think. And then there's some people that do sing out that probably shouldn't sing out. But I'm just kidding. But there, you know, we should all come together in church and just serve the Lord from our hearts. It should come from the inside. And not worry about what other people think. It's hard because we struggle with that as part of who we are uh, in, our, in our, our human nature. Um, <clears throat> we uh, tend to judge others on how they look. We also tend to externalize sin. We externalize sin. See, we think, well, it's only about behavior. That's all that matters. As long as I'm not uh, you know, at the bar, or as long as I'm not, you know, living in adultery, or as long as I'm not, uh, you know, stealing, or as long as I'm not murdering, that's all that matters. Well, don't forget, man only can see the outside, but God can see the heart, okay? He looks at the heart. He knows what's really in there. And uh, we might look good on the outside, but God sees what's in there. You might not look good on the outside, but in the, on the inside, you're right with God. Praise God. But it doesn't matter what people see. It matters what God sees. We need to take care of what's on the inside. As somebody has said, take care of your character, and your reputation will take care of itself. Leave it up to God. Leave it up to God. Take care of what you can take care of. All right, number four. The world says we're just as good or better than the next guy. See, self-righteousness will always make us look down on other people. Uh, it is always easy to see the sins of others versus our own sins. See, the Bible says, Jesus said, uh, get rid of the beam <laughs> that is in your eye, and then you can help the guy with the moat. You know? It's like a two-by-four versus a toothpick. Okay, Some people are looking at others, and they're saying, look at that toothpick you got in your eye. And they don't even realize that they have a huge two-by-four in their own eye. And they're looking at all the other people and how they're living their lives, and they're, and they're being judgmental and self-righteous, and they're saying, I, I'm doing better than anyone else and everyone else. And uh, we're tempted to come up with a measuring system to make ourselves look spiritual. Uh, you know, I've never, ever, I cannot recall somebody going into sin, leaving the church and going and, and, and either leaving for the wrong reason or going back into sin, who didn't have a very good spiritual reason for doing so. They can always, we can always, spiritual, and it's our temptation, to always spiritualize our bad decisions. Because we're concerned about what people see, and we want to look better, we want to be justified in what we're doing. My friend, that's part of what's causing us grief in our life. We're too concerned with what other people think. The world says the one with the most toys wins. See, materialism, covetousness, focused on all of that. But as the old uh, illustration goes, you've never seen a U-Haul trailer being pulled by a hearse. You can't take it with you, right? Oh, you can't take it with you. Um, you, you people want to, uh, you know, uh, focus on all the wrong things, materialism. Even Christians can fall into that trap. We have to have the best. We have to have the newest. Covetousness will destroy us. Uh, that's worldly philosophy. Number six, the world says 
we can do anything. Well, remember what um, uh, Satan said to Eve in the garden? said, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Ye shall be as gods. Uh, think about the Tower of Babel. Uh, man tried to build a tower to reach God. Uh, they, we, we tend to think that we can do anything. We're living in the most advanced time uh, with this computer age. We can, man believes we can do anything. Um, I understand God is okay with the technology. He would change it. If he wanted to, he could. We have uh, advancements in medicine. Just talking to somebody this morning. Their family is still with him. He has, still has his family because of medicine. And the advancements in, in, in that technology. I think about uh, the cars that we have. Isn't that a blessing that you can get in a car or a bus or a train and, uh, or a plane even and get to anywhere you want to go in this world? Uh, something that wasn't possible 100 years ago. Uh, or maybe 150 years ago, to go wherever you wanted. Uh, communication. We have phones, cell phones, all these things that uh, help us to be able to communicate. Uh, uh, we have power uh, being generated with uh, uh, nuclear uh, reactors, coal, um, natural gas, all the things that we have today, the lights, the heat. Uh, we didn't really think too much about the heat in our house this morning. No, not that long ago, you had to get up in the middle of the night just to keep the fire going so you would have heat in your house. Uh, and um, we see that although the technology is a blessing, it keeps people from a relationship with God. You know that phone, I, I'm so thankful we got our, our new reading plan this year. And I can see that people are, are reading through the Bible on their Bible app. That's great. But you know, that phone, that can be a blessing, it's a tool, it can help us, can also be a distraction. Keep us from doing work, but also keep us from relationship with God. Uh, you might be saying, well, I won't have a phone. Well, there's going to be something else. Maybe it's the television, or maybe it's the radio. Uh, it could be whatever you want. I mean, I know people that don't have TVs, but they listen to the radio 24-7, okay? And there's all kinds of technological advances that are distracting us and, and, and bringing us into this worldly philosophy. Uh, the world says, uh, lastly today, the world says truth. Now, this is a sticking point. This is where, we're gonna, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we're going to have a battle. This is where we're going to have a problem. And this generation is lost, Without us getting a good handle on this. The world says truth is what I decided is. It's what I decided is. Or there is no absolute truth. Your truth is okay and my truth is okay. Is that, is that true? Is that correct? Is that, does that jive with scripture? The single, you know, here, here's the single most agreed upon truth in universities today. Is that truth is relative. They all agree that truth is relative. Pluralism or relativism is that all beliefs are valid. There's none that is exclusively valid, meaning there's no absolute objective truth. That's false. Absolutely false. And in our heart of hearts, in our conscience, we know that it's not true. But it's much more appealing. And it brings more pleasure into our life 
to believe and go along with that idea that your truth and my truth, that's okay, what you want to believe is, is okay, and what I want to believe is okay. You're okay, as they say, right? You're okay, I'm okay. You're okay, I'm okay. Well, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Word of God says. When we reject absolute truth, we have to reject the Bible. We say the Bible is not reliable. We say there's no moral obligation. See, social order disintegrates. We believe that there is no right or wrong. But God says truth, there's truth no matter what we believe or what we think about it, however we feel. It doesn't matter. John 14, 6, Jesus spoke about this. He said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. See, the world says, well, there's many ways to God. There's many different truths. There's many different paths But the Bible says there's only one way. And guess what? Uh, With this whole coexist thing, there's not a lot of coexisting with the Word of God. There's not a lot of people that would would be really truly okay with what I believe. They want to say, well, we want to be tolerant. We want to coexist with everyone. Everyone is okay. Everyone's valid. Except for Christians or anyone Any Christian that would take the word of God and say that this is absolute, undeniable, objective truth. Colossians 2, 8. The Bible tells us, Beware, lest any man spoil you through through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. What Paul is saying here, he's saying you're saved... Your eyes have been opened to the truth. We know why the Gentiles do what they do, but that's not Christ. Go with me back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, and we'll look at verse number 20. The Bible says here, But ye have not so learned Christ. Remember what we said? Paul said here, he said you had the, the Gentiles had their understanding darkened. They don't believe in God. There's ignorance in them because of the blindness of their hearts that their uh, minds are full of vanity, their past feeling, they've given themselves over to lasciviousness, but you have not so learned Christ. Verse 21, If so that be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. He said, if you'd been listening to Jesus, you would have heard this. Verse 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. How many times are we tempted to go back to the old man? Every single day. Probably every single hour of every single day. Just because you're saved doesn't mean that you are, uh, you are completely free from temptation. You're free from the power of sin, but you're not free from the temptation of sin. See? See, Jesus even experienced temptation. And he didn't even have an old nature. (laughs) And so we we are daily bombarded with this opportunity and temptation to go back into sin. And he says there, verse number 22, put off, put off the former conversation. The old man. Put off the old lifestyle, that conversation, that way, the, the, the way you live, the path that you were taking before. Put it off. It's corrupt. 
But then he says, verse number 24, or verse 23, he said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He says, he says, change the way that you think. Because the way that we think affects the way that we live. What we think up here, what we believe up here is absolutely powerful in regards to how we interact in this world, how we live our life. The choices that we make start up here. That, you know, a lot of people say, well, it was an accident. I didn't mean to do it. It just, so, it just happened that way. It just, I, I didn't mean to say that. But, you know, my friend, it normally doesn't just slip out. <laughs> it normally doesn't just happen. It has to start here before it can ever get anywhere else. And so when we are daily bombarded with all of this wrong thinking, we need to carefully, carefully remember and apply these truths. He says, uh, verse 22, he says, put off, put off the old conversation. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. As soon as that music starts, as soon as the television program uh, or, or the words are said, we need to say that is, that is not who we are we're not going to live that way anymore. We used to be that way, but we're not going to live like that now. And we need to replace, oh my friend, don't forget to replace the bad spirits in your life with something that's good. Bring the Word of God. Welcome the Holy Spirit into your home and say, this home is not going to be the way it used to be. This house is not going to entertain what it used to entertain. This place is sacred to God because this is a home, uh, a Christian home, and we're not going to live that way anymore. And, and, and so replace that which is evil. He says, uh, he says, be renewed, verse number uh, 23, be renewed in the spirit of your, what's the word? Mind. See, a lot of Christians don't realize the mind is important. It's not just all, uh, you know, uh, it's, it has to do with thinking. The way we think affects us. Verse 24, he says, put on, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And I call this the faith life, okay? The Christian life many times gets a little bit convoluted when we say Christian life. Because Christian doesn't mean the same to all of us. But let's talk about faith. The faith life, the life where we live believing God and His Word and acting upon it. The faith life, or the Christ life, living like Jesus Christ. The Christian doesn't mean the same thing. Christian means one thing to some one person down the street. It might mean something totally different to you in this room. And actually in this room, we might all have different definitions of what a Christian is. But what I believe a true Christian is, is somebody who is a disciple of Jesus Christ, who follows after Jesus, doesn't just put his name uh, into their life, doesn't just label himself, but rather lives like Jesus, follows after Christ. The faith life or the Christ life, okay? So the faith life or the Christ life is different. Uh, is different than the former conversation or our old ways. It's as different as life is from death. It's different. That's what he says there. Uh, he says, uh, um, uh, <coughs> verse, uh, John 5, 24, <coughs> the Bible says, here's Jesus, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on me that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. See, uh, the way we used to be was death. 
Or we might look back in times of temptation and say, oh, it was so much more fun back then. You know, going to the bars and drinking, uh, you know, the drugs, all of that stuff. And sometimes people, sadly, even Christians glamorize the old life. And if you, the devil comes in and he tries, to, he tries to make us long and yearn for all of those things back then. That happened to the guy who, write, uh, who wrote the song, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. To my heart to sing thy praise. Uh, you know, there's times where, uh, you know, even Christians can get away from God. <laughs> even Christians can uh, begin to live like they used to live. And that guy, he got away from the Lord. He started living for himself. Uh, and, and, and then, and then he, he ran into somebody who was actually singing his song. Prone to wander. Prone to wander, uh, the words go. And he got convicted by the words of the song that he had written for God. And he got himself right with the Lord. But you know, the old life can be glamorous sometimes in our temptations. We can look back and say, well, I wish, wish it was like that. And, uh, you know, we could be going through a trial. We can be going through difficulty and hard times. Uh, and God even allows us to do that as Christians we can look back and say, I wish I, wish I was back there. <laughs> but uh, you go back there and you will sadly regret it. And think about that song at Calvary. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. And Jesus made a bridge to cross from death unto life. Let us not go back over that bridge. Let's stay on the right side. Where God has put us. And daily may we take off the grave clothes. The old life. The old ways of thinking. The old philosophies. Oh, when that thought. And and the the thing that we need to do is be right with the Lord. And in tune with the Spirit of God. So that we know when something comes across the airwaves. The radio. The podcast. YouTube. uh, Facebook. Instagram. Social media, I don't need to get into all that, right? Uh, whatever it is, the workplace environment, your family members, whether saved or, or backs, uh, uh, backslidden saved people or unsafe people, whatever it is, the person that comes into your life that espouses some worldly indoctrination, some worldly teaching, some worldly thinking, oh, may we just remember, that's not right. Let me not think that way. I can't live that way. That's against the word of God. That's not how a Christian should live and think and operate. And when we're close to the Lord, it will be easy, a lot easier, to know when wrong philosophies come in versus when we're living for ourselves. And we begin to just get a little bit closer back to our old life. And we say, oh, you know, that, you know, that, that wasn't so bad back there. I can, I'm still going to heaven. Praise God, I still have salvation. But, you know, I can just kind of take it easy. Take my ease here and live uh, a little bit for myself. And I, after all, I deserve it. I've been through so much. And my life has been so difficult. And, 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 and it's okay for me to just kind of live in the world a little bit. And what happens is like the boiling frog syndrome. You ever heard of the boiling frog syndrome? Not that we want to boil any frogs, okay? All right? The boiling frog syndrome is where you put the frog in lukewarm water. And he's comfortable. 
And he's enjoying that, that wonderful bath, if you would, okay? Because frogs like water. They like to be around water. And then you start to turn the heat up on that frog just a little bit. And over time, as the frog is sitting in the water, he's not jumping around, but he is being, he's being gradually heated up to the point where he can no longer stand it, but it's too late. He's been boiled. And that's what happens when we're over here in the world and we're living for ourselves because we deserve it, because we feel like we're, we've been hurt in our life, because uh, somebody's done us wrong and the church has done us wrong, the pastor did us wrong, other Christians are talking about us, our life is so difficult. And we begin to listen to the worldly philosophies and we begin to do some of the things that we thought we would never do because we were lulled to sleep. But the faith life has been forgotten by so many. The life of faith is now a joke, and it's just a pipe dream, and people that should know better because they've been saved long enough, look at the Christian life, and they say, that is not a reality. That might be true for someone else, but it's not true for me. And that's how some people live. They look at it and they say, I can't live. I can't believe God. I can't trust God. I can't pray. Uh, God doesn't answer prayer. It's because you're not trusting him, my friend. The faith life, the Christ life, is not just a different life. It's it's not just an option. It's the best life that anybody could live. It's a life of peace. It's a life of joy. It's a life of true fulfillment and contentment. And if you're, you aren't finding this, you need to stop applying worldly philosophies. <laughs> and you need to get back to God and come back into fellowship with Him. You need to get to faith in God. You need to get to Christ and, and just say, I'm going to count the cost once and for all. I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's gonna be sac- uh, there's going to be sacrifices that have to be made in my life. There's going to have to be some hard conversations to be had. There's going to have to be some, some lifestyle choices that have to be uh, rearranged, priorities, finances, health, whatever it is. There's a lot of different things that have happened in the Christian life. Uh, but uh, you get back to that place where you say, I'm going to just come back to Christ. No matter what it costs, no matter, no matter what people think, because it's the best life I could live. Take off the grave clothes and put on the grace clothes. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I pray that you bless this word. I pray that you would continue to speak in our hearts. God, we need a revival, and it needs to start with me. I pray that you would work in this place. Pray for those that might not be saved. They don't understand this. I pray for those that are saved, that need revival. I pray for those that are discouraged, who need an uplift. They need to be blessed and helped. They just need to be... uh, Just helped along the way. Dear God, I pray for those that are, uh, Lord, that are maybe up in years. All the temptations all over the place. Doesn't matter how long you live as a Christian. Doesn't matter how many years you spend in ministry. Father, Lord, we need your help. 
And I pray that you bless in this place. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name.